Stay tuned to acure.org for the latest updates on the world's only conference dedicated to cardiac unloading and heart recovery at acure.org. You're listening to Heart Sounds, TCTMD's award-winning podcast hosted by Shelley Wood. Hello and welcome to the Heart Sounds podcast for October 2023. We are right smack in the middle of the TCT meeting here in San Francisco, where I knew that I and my team would be run off our feet pulling together the news. Also, our producer, Steve Angelino, would be equally swamped here. So if you are tuning in for TCT highlights, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for next month when this meeting will be 100% in the rear view and we can revisit those hot topics together. My plan is to also bring you a recap from AHA next month, so we'll do both of those at the end of November. For this month's podcast, I convinced Suzanne Brown-Sachs to hop on a call with me last week. You may know Suzanne as an assistant professor of cardiovascular medicine and a transplant cardiologist at Vanderbilt Transplant Center. You may also know her as Susie Brown, the Nashville-based singer-songwriter whose voice is a soulful mix of modern-day roots music with a twist of pop and folk. Susie has multiple studio albums, including her most recent, Some See the Flowers, which was released last year, featuring many of the songs she wrote at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic while working on the front lines. For this month's podcast, we talked about that and much more. Let's jump in. So I'd love to start with just hearing a little bit about how you made those decisions around whether to pursue medicine and cardiology versus pursuing music. I'm assuming you you loved both from an early age or did one of them come to you later on? I loved both from an early age. And I've only more recently gotten more insight into why I love music as much as I do. I think I've always been a really deeply feeling person. And in my household, not that my parents aren't kind because they're literally some of the kindest people you've ever met in your life. They would lay down in traffic for me any day of the week. And they always made that clear. So it wasn't that I was unloved. It was just that we didn't show our big emotions very much. And I had so much to feel. And I think music was a safe place for me to feel it. So I always was drawn towards music. And did you study it? Or did you, you know, did you take lessons or anything when you were younger? My love of music preceded any any lessons. I have vivid memories of being in my room at the age of, I don't know, seven, you know, and just singing my heart out to Angel of the Morning by Juice Newton. And I just felt it or so far away by uh, Carol King. I felt those songs. I remember feeling those songs. That was before any lessons or anything. I had a little Winnie the Pooh record player and I wore out my records, you know, the sound of music, a lot of musicals and Raffi, who's a Canadian kid's but I just had so much comfort in in that music. I did take piano lessons, I think between third and eighth grade, something like that. And then I stopped. Um, And in summer camp, I was always like in the musicals. Yeah. (laughs) Very casual. But you didn't think of pursuing music as a career. Did you, and I don't know, did you choose medicine early too? Or were you one of those kids that always knew you wanted to be a doctor and you're just going to sing on the side? I never knew being a musician was even a possibility. It didn't even cross my mind as a possibility because I wasn't writing songs. I didn't really sing outside my house. And my parents are both doctors. And they honestly put zero pressure on me to be a doctor. But I think I put the pressure on myself. I think I purposefully or indirectly through social cues, I just never even knew that that was an acceptable choice. 
So music was a private thing for me. Mm. And it wasn't until um, my senior year of college when I, I had been a two-sport athlete in college, but my last year I wasn't doing either sport. And so I had a lot more time. And on a total whim, I tried out for one of the acapella groups and I made the group. And um, it really changed my life, partly because it helped me cement my identity as a musician, as an artist. I never knew that I was an artist. And you know that feeling of like, you don't know who your people are. You don't know where you fit in. And then I was with this group of women singing and I realized, oh, these are my people. This is this is where I fit in. It was very confusing. I also have this theory that, um, at least in my case, I feel very much that we do get streamed, or at least I think students used to get streamed. You were either sort of scientifically focused or you were artistically focused and you, you yes. sort of didn't envision a world in which those two went side by side. So it sounds like you pursued the the scientific medical world early and then only had a sort of side door into the music a bit later in the college process. Yeah, and it was like just totally on a whim. I was actually studying for a physics test in Dana Library. I just remember it so vividly. And um, in, at Dartmouth, we had early email. It was called Blitzmail and you could only like do it at these like pod computers. And I just took a break from studying for my exam and checked my blitz mail and it said Rockapella's tryouts right now, you know? And I just left my books there and I went and tried out and I warmed up in a bathroom stall singing an Elton John song. And it was just this whole, I, I don't know. It was like an that's really neat expected thing. Let's take a pause just for a bit, though, to tell people it's not that you are now a songwriter in your spare time. You are really pursuing this seriously. If I yeah. am reading some of this online properly, you actually chose to be a cardiologist in Nashville because of the music scene. Is that right? Tell us right. about that. Yeah. So I had sort of backwardsly, you know, become a songwriter at the end of my uh, cardiology fellowship. I started writing songs. And then as soon as I started, I realized I can't stop. And so I found a part-time job in Philadelphia where I was living at the time, figuring I'd go back to my real life at some point, but knowing that I really had, if I didn't make time for music when I actually could, I just felt like I would never forgive myself. So I had a part-time job in Philadelphia. I met my husband, he's a songwriter. Um, we got married. I wasn't super happy in my job at, in Philadelphia for a variety of reasons. And my husband was being sent on writing trips to Nashville because he had a publishing deal at the time. And when I came with him one time, I just, I actually kind of panicked because it was so obvious we had to move here. Um, oh, yeah. And so I just fell in love with it. And I cold called Vanderbilt and asked them if they were looking for a half-time heart failure cardiologist. <laughs> and they said and yes. They said yes. Yeah. yeah. And I asked for, sort of informed by my prior part-time job where I worked either two or three days a week, three weeks out of the month, and then full-time one week. I had found that kind of schizophrenic going back and forth so many times. So I asked for a two-week on, two-week off job. And that's what I got. And that's what I've been doing for the last decade. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I really admire that in people that decide that this is what's going to make them happy and this is how they're going to juggle various passions. Because I'm presuming you are passionate about medicine as much Absolutely. as you are about music. Absolutely. And I don't want to give any delusions that I'm this person who always knows what I want and I'm not afraid of disappointing people. I am a pathological rule follower. I'm a people pleaser. 
you know, I'm a middle child. So this was so out of character for me. I think it just came out of desperation. Music made me feel happier and more at peace than I had ever been ever and more authentically myself. And it had to be that strong to get me to break the rules. So you write music, you're obviously, you collaborate with people, you have cut studio albums, you Mm -hmm. practice cardiology. Many people will want to know, apart from the scheduling that you've done, how do you carve out the time for the focus required for those things? Is it just a question of getting it in the calendar at the right times? Because I think many people who are, are drawn to some creative aspect, they can't figure out how to work it in with their lives. If it's yeah. family as well as career, all these things. It's so hard. Part of the reason I asked for the two week on, two week off schedule is because at the end of two weeks of being a doctor, it's often at least 12 days in a row. I have no idea how I'm feeling. I have no idea where I am. I have no idea who I am. I just get as much as I, you know, have practiced taking good emotional care of myself, even when I'm a doctor, it's just exhausting. And there's a certain amount that you have to detach just to get through it. And so I have found that I really need a little bit of a transition period before I can be creative again. The problem is that I have two kids. And so even when I had that time to decompress, then I was like stuck with my messy house and the kids and all that stuff that would sort of take over. So the way, especially when my kids are now seven and nine, so they're a little older now, it's gotten easier because they're both in school. So at least I have between eight and three every day. Um, But part of the way I kept my, I defended my creativity when they were really little was writing with other people. Right. Because I had to put that in the books. And I'm such a rule follower and a people pleaser that I would never cancel no matter how much I didn't want to do it. And I'll tell you what, I didn't want to do those I wanted to in the big picture, but in the moment, I just wanted to sleep for a year, you know, or load the dishwasher, you know, Um, but I would just make myself go. And it was always amazing what's just under the surface. Yeah. Right about I'm just exhausted. I don't know how to write songs anymore. And then you get there and something comes out of you that you didn't even know was there. I watched a clip of you performing, actually, and one of the things you said at the outset, and I'm sure going to bungle this, but you spoke about the intimacy of songwriting with another person. And I think you might have likened it to sex on the first date, although I may yeah. never remember that. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah. And yeah, the reason I wanted to ask about it is not just because I'm interested in that intimacy of writing something that's obviously so heartfelt with one or more people, but I'm imagining there must be some overlap between what it's like in terms of patient care when you're working with physicians. Is that too much of a stretch because you're 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 you got people's lives in your hands and you are needing to make you know your own way forward part of a collaborative decision is that too much of a stretch for me it is doctors traditionally like they don't talk about how they're feeling it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a systematic problem in our culture and i'm trying to change it at least in my little microcosm physicians don't talk about how they're feeling and they don't even talk about how hard it is. Right. People, if it's hard and they're feeling something, by and large, the default is to just get snarky. Yeah. Bitter. But I'm trying to change that, at least in my direct little community. Immediate um, circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did want to talk briefly about COVID. We don't have a ton of time. You're juggling yeah. many things. But for many, many physicians, especially 
physicians working on the front line. COVID brought all of the things you've talked about to that much more of a head. Yeah. I'm yeah. wondering how much music was a respite for you during COVID or if it was the opposite, if you felt you had to set it aside in order to get through those very difficult years of the lockdown, for example. At the beginning of the lockdown on March 3rd, we had a devastating tornado come through my neighborhood in East Nashville. My neighborhood was flattened. My kid's school was closed. Like the whole neighborhood where I pushed strollers was devastated. I could barely get drive out of the neighborhood to get to work. Luckily, our house was not damaged, but three blocks down the road, people lost everything. And then two weeks later, the lockdown. So I was a wreck. And for the first, I would say four weeks, and my kids were four and six, so they were out of school. And um, I think we had gone, they had repaired the school. And then one day we, they went back to school for one or two days and then closed because of COVID. Um, and then never went back for a year and a half. Um, so at, at first I was just in the survival, like mama bear mode of, and I think I happened to be not working those two weeks, like the first two weeks. And then because everything shut down, I was seeing some patients via telehealth, but I didn't have to go into the office because we weren't seeing outpatients. So I was home for four weeks, I think, and I just was in this major mama bear mode of trying to protect my kids and make some sort of schedule and keep things as normal as possible. And I couldn't even dream about music. But then, I don't know, it was mid-April, and um, and I remember setting my kids up with a coloring sheet and going into my bedroom, and I just, I had a song in me, and I wrote this song called it's Another New Normal. And that started a flood of songs that came out um, during COVID that I eventually became Some Seed the Flowers, which was an album I put out last year. Um, and it was interesting because I hadn't written alone in a long time because of what I talked about, but I wrote a lot of those songs by myself, lockdown, and I recorded that during the lockdown too. Okay. The one question I love to ask people, and I, I I could ask you a ton of questions. Well, for example, here's an extra question. Are you going to be performing anywhere anytime soon that we should know about? I'm miles away from you, but perhaps yes. other listeners might be closer by. The only thing I have scheduled is in Nashville on Saturday. Um, so anyone who happens, will this air before Saturday? I, it's going to air after Saturday. So oh, man, yeah, nothing on the books, but I will be touring. Um, I'll be scheduling some shows in Nashville and then next summer we'll be touring Nashville, Asheville, you know, up the East Coast um, and back down. That's our usual route in the summer. So look up. Very cool. Okay. Well, people can check out your website, I'm sure for tour dates. Yeah. A question I was going to ask was, and I alluded to this earlier, I do think there are physicians who used to do some creative work, have not made time for it in years, or they've <laughs> wanted to start something, they haven't known what. Any words of advice for people in terms of what you think it can bring to the lives of physicians and cardiologists, perhaps specifically, but, you know, for people that are thinking of of taking up something, what is the value in that if they're continuing their practices and their busy lives? I think creativity is a really healthy and evolved way to process your emotions, as opposed to eating too much Ben and Jerry's when you get home as opposed to all the online shopping, like you buy something, you get that little zing of dopamine, it makes you feel better. You know, trashy TV, drinking too much, all the things we over to just hide how we're feeling. It does make you feel better, but there's still that unprocessed emotion. And I think the only way that physicians are gonna survive this environment is to learn how to process their emotions in healthy, 
and productive ways. And I think creativity is a great way to feel your feelings. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. And I greatly appreciate you coming on the Heart Sounds podcast to tell us just a little bit about it today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. is all for this month. I hope you'll check out Susie's work on Apple Music, Spotify, or Pandora, wherever you buy your music. You can even buy it directly from her website at susiebrownsongs.com. I need to turn my full attention back to TCT now, but I hope you've enjoyed this month's podcast, and I will be back with you next month with all the juicy details from this conference. That includes some long-term follow-up on the low-risk TAVR trials, the AGENT trial, which is the pivotal RCT in the U.S. comparing a paclitaxel-coated balloon with conventional balloon angioplasty for instant restenosis in the coronaries. There's also the TRISEN2 trial of transcatheter tricuspid valve replacement in patients with severe tricuspid regurgitation and much more. All of us are here in San Francisco, as I say, running around pulling together those news highlights for you right now. So if you can't wait, please check out tctmd.com for our print coverage and some videos as well. By the time you hear from me again, of course, I'll also have in my back pocket results from some of the big AHA late breakers too. And we know what some of those look like. For example, SELECT, that is the cardiovascular outcomes trial for semaglutide, as well as the eagerly anticipated Orbita 2 results. So I will see you back here next month. Thank you for tuning in to Heart Sounds. Do you love listening to Heart Sounds? Check out all new original content from TCTMD featuring Talking Points with Dr. C. Michael Gibson and Rock's Heart Radio with Dr. Roxanna Moran. All new episodes are available on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud.